Let's get to Europe. Seamus Cooney is in France, where I personally do not want to discuss what happened uh, on uh, Sunday morning. I'm going to do that at a quarter to midday tomorrow as calmly as I can with our sports correspondent. Uh, Seamus, let's talk about some um, really uh, growing matters in every respect and causing concern right around the world, which is the situation in Gaza. Is the EU starting to see some divisions over how to deal with this conflict? Yes, hello, Catherine. And uh, as you say, best not to mention the rugby. It was personally disappointing for me as well. It was my birthday on the night of the final. I was hoping for that great birthday present, but uh, there you are. So better um, a few words on that. But yes, uh, the Israel-Hamas conflict, I just don't think we can escape it no matter what part of the world you're in. Uh, and I think a lot of people surprised about the division, the very mixed messages that we've been getting from the European Union for the past few weeks now. So uh, a lot of the focus for some people on the and you know, and we're talking about senior officials here and 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 uh, you know, senior officials in the in the European Commission, but also leaders focusing on the message of defending Israel's right to self-defense, but others more forceful as well on speaking up for innocent civilians in Gaza against that idea of collective punishment. And I think these serious divisions uh, were very much on display, remain on display, I would say, as uh, European Union leaders met in Brussels for a summit. This was their first face-to-face summit uh, since Hamas's deadly attack on Israel. So this was in Brussels discussing the situation in Gaza. As I say, after weeks of these very different confusing messages from the senior figures in the bloc, at last, uh, EU leaders coming up with uh, what they say was a common position on this issue of humanitarian aid. Uh, So what they agreed to call for, uh, and I'm quoting them here, humanitarian corridors and pauses in the conflict to allow that crucial assistance, the humanitarian aid to get through to those innocent civilians in Gaza. Uh, It's also reported before the summit, Catherine, diplomats were even debating uh, whether the leaders would use the word pause, singular, uh, or pauses, plural, when it came to their statement on the conflict. But I think really a demonstration of this division, the wrangling that we've had for days among diplomats, because don't forget, we've had quite a few countries in the European Union actually calling for a ceasefire, going along with the call we have from the UN, calling for a truce, for a ceasefire, uh, for a complete halt in hostilities because of that humanitarian question. So here in Europe, countries including Spain, uh, we have France as well, Ireland, the Netherlands, Belgium, all of those countries calling for this complete break in the conflict. But at the same time, and we saw these divisions in Brussels, we had countries such as Germany, Austria, Hungary, the Czech Republic, just to name a few, absolutely resisting uh, and reportedly behind the scenes saying that they agree with Israel's concern that this would give Hamas time to regroup uh, interesting also because we we had the the German leader, the Chancellor Olaf Scholz, really speaking up on behalf of Israel, saying that uh, Israel's democratic state, he told reporters uh, when he was going into the summit, uh, guided, he said, by humanitarian principles. Uh, and he told reporters, we can be certain that the Israeli army is going to respect the rules 
when it comes to international law. I have no doubt about that, he told reporters. On the other side, you'd have someone like the Belgian prime minister warning Israel against cutting off Gaza. So he was saying there to reporters, Israel does have a right to take action, prevent further attacks. But it's never an excuse, and this is to use his words, for blocking a whole region, blocking humanitarian aid. It can't be an excuse to starve a whole population, he said. Now, in the meantime, Ukraine, of course, uh, is still uh, in its conflict. Uh, And what are European leaders saying of late as this, uh, predictably, uh, drags on this war with Russia? Yeah, and I think there'll be a lot of people concerned that the spotlight really has shifted from Ukraine to the Middle East. Many would say rightly so. Uh, but lots of officials and diplomats trying to keep Ukraine on the agenda and all of these meetings they're continuing to have. And I think uh, if you talk to some of them, they say it's an absolute struggle to to get people to focus, to get the, the officials and the diplomats to focus. And really this, this concern that Ukraine's going to struggle now to get that attention, but also the resources, uh, the military aid from the West, especially the US and the EU, big providers so far. Uh, because of the crisis in the Middle East. Uh, and uh, as I say, so the world attention on Gaza, but the European uh, European Union leaders wanted to make absolutely sure that this message was sent out to Russia, that they have not taken their eye off Ukraine. Uh, they actually invited uh, the Ukrainian president to address them uh, at a meeting in Brussels. Uh, they had a joint statement after this meeting in Brussels, vowing to continue financial, military and humanitarian support to Ukraine and to quote them in their statement, as long as it takes. Uh, But actually, when it comes to the funding, and again, this division we're seeing, uh, you know, we we can see it when it it came to Gaza. We've had this division in the past, but really the European Union, almost 100% united so far when it comes to Ukraine, but it may not be so straightforward. Uh, while most EU leaders are backing giving more money to Kyiv uh, and what they're doing, they're starting new budget talks uh, leading up to 2027. They've got a big decision to make before the end of the year. They're looking at a 50 billion euro package of new funding for Ukraine, also 20 billion in military aid. But we're hearing from Hungary and Slovakia, two countries who have a veto within the European Union, saying that they're not going to support that. They haven't ruled it out outright, uh, so there could be some room for negotiation. Uh, But we know that there's a new government in Slovakia, the newly appointed Prime Minister Robert Fico. He's made it certain, he actually campaigned on this, uh, that he wanted to halt military aid to Ukraine. Uh, also, Hungary's, uh, you know, talking about reservations when it comes to continuing to give aid and military resources to Ukraine. So those two countries, it looks like they're going to have to be intense negotiations with those countries to try to get them on board. Uh, already, it's worth pointing out, Catherine, Kiev uh, has already received about 80 billion euros in finance since Russia invaded. As I say, Hungary's really been the outspoken critic and now joined by Slovakia. So I think that will be a, a concern for uh, for Ukraine, but also for those other uh, diplomats and leaders in Europe who really want to make sure that Ukraine uh, is kept in the focus in terms of funding and military aid. All right. Just a couple of minutes left. Some shocking reports in Spain on abuse by Catholic priests. 
Yes, uh, this was a report by Spain's human rights ombudsman uh, revealing, in fact, that more than 200,000 children estimated to have suffered uh, at the hands of Spain's Catholic clergy, so priests, but also other staff, uh, sexual abuse. So this is an independent commission that was formed uh, last year by Spain's Congress uh, this is a 700-page report that came out on Friday, uh, including the results of a survey, in fact. So this was a, a massive investigation by this commission, uh, carrying out a survey of some 800,000 members of the public. And as I say, this revelation that more than one in 200 people in the country uh, may have been sexually abused by Catholic priests and other church staff uh, so as I say, this this uh, investigation, the survey was ordered in response to actually a campaign that was begun uh, by a national newspaper, El País. Uh, and there have been previous reports in the past, Catherine, when it comes to this topic in Spain, uh, talking about the number of victims and what have you. The, the newspaper did a lot of digging. They actually say that they, they have uncovered 1,000 alleged cases uh, and this report seeming to confirm that the number of victims across the country, much greater than previous reports, have been suggesting. So this report presented to Parliament on Friday, actually now calling for a state fund to be set up to compensate victims. And it's also worth pointing out, Catherine, uh, the Ombudsman uh, criticising the Catholic Church for not fully cooperating with the investigation. They say they did partially uh, but they weren't totally up front, and some, they say, within the church seeking to downplay the scandal. So far, the Catholic Church in Spain has not publicly responded to those findings. Thank you. Seamus Cooney, our Europe correspondent.